Tonight I am continuing with Matthew chapter 5 and Christ's call for every Christian to be salt and light to a lost and dying world. I know I've been on this for three weeks already, but I believe we all need to truly understand the depth of our duty and responsibility to be the candle. And so tonight I'm going to look at uh, Be the Candle Part 2. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16 once again. But before we go there, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. And Father, we just thank you for your goodness and for your grace. We thank you, Father God, that you are in this place and that we are in your midst. I thank you, Father God, that you have received our worship. And I thank you, Father God, that you have heard our prayers and that you uh, never leave us or forsake us. And I just pray tonight, Father God, that your anointing would continue to be in this place. It wouldn't end with the last song, Father God, but that it would continue out to the giving of your word and the receiving of your word. I pray, Father, that your anointing would be upon me to speak with clarity and understanding. And that, Father, you would give our people ears to hear and hearts to receive, Lord God. But most of all... I pray that you would give us the courage to conform ourselves to your word, to be doers of your word and not hearers only, so that we don't just deceive ourselves, but that we become more like Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Like I said, I'm continuing uh, with this word because I honestly believe, and I'm pointing at myself first before I uh, point at you, but I believe as... The church has evolved and come into the 21st century. I believe we're not telling people about Jesus Christ like we should. I don't believe we are telling people about the cross of Christ like we should. I don't believe we're sharing the gospel to a lost and dying world. We're not being the witnesses and going into the highways and the byways and the common places of our society like we should. And like I said, I'm talking to myself first, and that's why I'm bringing this message, because I truly believe that the Holy Spirit and the Lord want to stir us and move us to become salt and become light. I'm not going to repeat myself. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things that I've already spoken. But what my goal is tonight, church, is to teach us all that we can do a better job uh, of evangelizing. I believe, as I've already alluded to, that evangelism has become one of the most overlooked priorities of the Christian faith. True evangelism, true witnessing, true salt and and true light is, is one of Christ's top priorities for every believer. But for some reason, in the modern church and in our own lives, it has become one of the most overlooked priorities of our faith. And I, I don't believe that's the way it should be. And that's why I'm continuing this series because I want to stir us and motivate us. I want to stir myself and I want to motivate you to truly become the salt and the light that God has called us to be. I want us to realize that Christ's comments and call in Matthew chapter 5 were not presented as an option to our faith. They were not, an, uh, you know, like an a la carte thing that we could just decide to be part of our faith or not. But I, I want us to understand that Christ's comments and call were stated as a matter of fact. 
He didn't leave this, this discussion, uh, he didn't leave his comments open-ended for any kind of discussion or input on our part. He simply said, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. He didn't ask for our commentary. He made this statement as a bold reminder as to what our responsibility and duty is as a Christian. And it is to be salt and to be light. And every now and then we need to be reminded of that fact. And that's why I'm going to continue with this little tiny mini-series on salt and light. When Jesus spoke these words, he made them our personal duty and responsibility. But like I said, it often becomes one of the most overlooked priorities in our life. One of the most overlooked responsibilities or, or spiritual disciplines that Christ has laid upon us. In 2 Corinthians 13.5, Paul calls us to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. He actually says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself to see if you are of the light. He said, test yourselves to see if you are who you claim to be. And I believe with all of my heart in the same way that we can apply that passage to this this. This characteristic of salt and light that we are having. And I think on a regular basis we should test ourselves to see if we're salt. I think on a regular basis we should examine ourselves to see if we truly are the light of the world. If we are truly children of the light. You see, it's one thing to say I'm a child of a light. It's another thing to be a child of light. Amen. You see, the reality is you and I can claim to be children of light all we want. But unless we've got the light on, guess what? We're not children of light. We're not, we're not any different than those that are out in the world like I told you uh, last week. And I want us to keep that in mind. It's why I want to continue with this series this evening. Because I want us to examine ourselves and see if we are truly answering the call of Jesus Christ upon our lives. If we are answering His Word in Matthew 5.14 which says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, like we've already read. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16 is the one I'll focus on, and it says in the same way, Let your light shine before men, that they might see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Or, let your light so shine before men, that they might see the character of Christ in your lives and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Last week I introduced us to this passage and our call to be light. And tonight I want to look at it again. I want us to compare ourselves to the attributes of light like we compared ourselves to the attributes of salt. And truly examine ourselves and ask ourselves, am I truly light? Am I truly shining for Jesus Christ? Am I shining on a hill or am I hiding under a bush? And that's what I want to look at this evening. One of the attributes we looked at last week is the fact that light enables others to see. Very simple fact about light. You turn on the light and you can see better. That's why God said, let your light so shine that they might see. Amen. Because unless we shine... Unless we turn on the light of Jesus Christ, unless we are the candle, like the title of my message encourages us to be, then this world will remain lost in darkness. This world will remain destined for destruction unless you and I are willing to answer the call of Christ to be the candle. Second Corinthians 4.4 tells us that Satan, the god of this evil world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe so they are unable to see. 
You see, this world is filled and your world is filled with individuals who are unable to see the error of their ways. Filled with individuals that are unable to see the snares of Satan or the consequences of the sin that they seem to be indulging themselves in. They're unable to see the truth and they're unable to see life and they're unable to find their way. And it's exactly why we as children of light are to shine our light into this dark and dying world. Remember, Paul said in Ephesians 5, 8, you are children of light. Therefore, you should live like children of light. You and I were once of darkness, the Bible says, but now we are light and we should live like children of light. I taught you last week that the only thing that separates us and distinguishes us from those individuals that are lost out there in the world is how we shine for Jesus Christ. The only thing that separates us from the darkness of this world is the light of Christ we allow to shine in our lives. We can talk all about being a Christian. We can come to the house of God all we want like I said last week, but unless we are willing to turn on the light of Christ out there, there is no difference between us and them. None. And they'll never find their way to Christ unless we're willing to turn on the light. Like I've already said, I'm staying on this message because of its urgency. I believe this is an urgent message. This isn't something that I just lightly thought, well, I think I'll preach this. I believe this is an urgent message for today's modern church. I believe evangelism should be moved from the bottom of our priority list to the top of our priority list because it was Christ's first call upon the church and it was the last call upon the church. He, with the first thing he did when he called his disciples was, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the last thing that he said is to go out into the world and shine the light of Jesus Christ. We need to reprioritize this thing called evangelism in our lives. And it's why I'm bringing this message because of the depth of our duty. Because Proverbs 4.19 says that the way of the unsaved is like darkness and they do not know over what they stumble. You see, the reality is your world your, your circle of acquaintances, every place you go is filled with individuals that every step of their life they're stumbling and they don't even know it. They're, they're stumbling over the, the sin of this world and they're stumbling over the wickedness of this world and they're stumbling over the deception of this world. They're stumbling and they don't even know it. And the only way that they will ever find the way is if you and I are willing to shine the light of Jesus Christ upon their path so that they can see. Our world is filled with individuals that are stumbling in the dark, and we have to turn on the light. This world needs someone to speak up. This world needs someone to shine. This world needs someone to share the good news of Jesus Christ to this lost and dying world. All of us know someone that needs to know the truth. All of us know someone that needs to be shown the way. All of us know someone that needs to be rescued from the darkness, church. And unless, guess what, we shine, they're going to stay lost. Unless we shine, they're going to remain deceived. Unless we shine, their end is certainly destruction. And I believe the urgency of that should drive the priority of evangelism to the top of our list. As often as we pray, we should evangelize. As often as we get into the Word of God, we should evangelize. If you're not praying, you need to pray. If you're not seeking God's face, you need to seek God's face. If you're not reading the Word, you need to read the Word. And if we're not evangelizing, we need to evangelize. 
We need to share the good news of Jesus Christ because someone needs to find the way. When you look at Jesus' wording in Matthew 5, 16, I want you to notice the word that he uses. He says, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And in the Greek, the word Jesus uses for let was epheteme, meaning to allow to escape. Or to allow it to go through. It means to not to hinder it. It means to give permission and opportunity to. And ultimately it means to send forth with authority. And this is exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, let your light so shine. I want you to understand it wasn't just some silly little comment. It's not some simple three-letter word. I want you to understand the authority that's behind that word and the call that is behind that word and the responsibility that is behind that word, which means to let loose the light of Jesus Christ. It means to allow it to flow through you. You see, there's some individuals even in this place right now who have never allowed the light of Christ to flow through their life. They have never opened up their mouth concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have never witnessed to a single solitary soul about the cross of Jesus Christ. They've never talked to the world about sin. They've never told anyone they're lost and dying and they, 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 they need a Savior. The house of God is filled with individuals that don't understand this call to be light and to be salt to this lost and dying world. They're waiting for someone else to do their job. They think that pastor is enough, but it's not, church. We all have to let loose the light of Jesus Christ. We have to allow it to escape, and we've got to send it forth with authority. You see, the reality is God has given us authority over every dark and unclean spirit. But it's not going to do any good unless you use that authority, unless you let it go. The light of Christ in your life is good for you, but it's good for the rest of the world. And unless you allow it, unless you give it permission, it's not going to do anything. Please understand that the spirit is subject to the prophet, and so is the light. If you bottle it up, it's not going to shine. If you keep it back, it's not going to work. You have to turn on the light. You have to flip the switch. You have to exercise the authority over darkness by allowing the light of Christ to shine. And if you don't, it won't make any difference. If you don't give it permission and don't give it authority, and you don't rise up under the authority God has given you, guess what? Darkness will rule. It will rule around us and it will rule in our household. Listen, this isn't part of my notes, but even after the children of God, even after 120 individuals were baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit in the upper room, darkness still ruled the surrounding city. And until they were willing to step out of the upper room, until they were willing to take the light and the power that was given to them and go out into the world, the world was being ruled and the city was being ruled by a warlock called Simon, because they were keeping the light in the upper room, because they were keeping the light in the house of God, because they were unwilling to go into the highways and the byways and come against the spirit of darkness. And what did God do? He sent a persecution upon the church and he drove them out. So that they could truly be light and saw. Listen, I'm telling you, if God has to bring persecution on the church, he's going to do it for one reason. It's to get us out there and do what we've been called to do. 
He's tired of us sitting in the house of God all comfy and cozy while the rest of the world is going to hell in a handbasket. He's waiting for someone to get up and shine the light of Jesus Christ, to give, to give the light authority in this place of darkness. Listen, your workplace needs the authority of light to break through darkness. The schools, the campuses, Washington, the rest of our society, it needs someone under the authority and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to let the light of Christ shine. To shake off whatever it is that's keeping it bottled up. To shake up fear. Shake off fear. Shake off trepidation. Shake off anxiousness. Shake it all off so that the light of Christ could shine. The number one reason we don't witness is because we're afraid. But God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. And if you love the lost, you'll shine. If you love the lost, you'll protect your mind. If you love the lost, you'll step out in power and share the good news of Jesus Christ. This is what he's called us to do. This is what Jesus is trying to teach the disciples. I thought I'd be all calm and composed tonight because my, my, my time was a little bit shorter, but I'm not. It's, it, we're, we desperately need to shine the light of Christ, church, into the world that's around us, into the common places of society like we learned D.L. Moody did last week in, in, a, in a simple little barber shop. He elevated the thoughts and the minds of everyone in that barber shop. He had a little mini evangelistic meeting just by opening his mouth. And we've got to do the same exact thing, church. We are the light of the world, Jesus said. And there was a heavy weight with that. The disciples understood it. They were willing to die for that call, die for that cause. And we're even afraid to mention the name Jesus. Because it's not politically correct anymore. Because we might be the odd one in the crowd, because we might be snickered at, and we might be laughed at, and we might be ridiculed. Oh, we might lose our job even. But you know what? If you lose your job, God's going to take care of you. If you did it for the sake of the gospel, if you lose something for the sake of the gospel, let me tell you, God's going to give you a hundred times back what you lost. You see, we're not supposed to trust in the hands of man or the arms of man. We're just trusting the one that set us free. We're just trusting our Savior who has the power over everything. We need to trust that church. We need to be willing to step out. We need to have the courage to allow the light of Christ to escape. It's what he's teaching. Here, listen. Jesus said, let your light shine. But like I said, our tendency so often is to hide the light. Our fleshly tendency is to keep it to ourselves, to keep it bottled up, to to keep it covered up. Uh, Our fleshly tendency is to hinder it or hold it back because, like I said, whatever reason it might be, or to overlook the opportunity God gives us every single day. The truth is God gives you and I an opportunity to shine the light every single day. Pick up a phone. you got an opportunity to shine. Drive up to a drive-thru window. You've got the opportunity to shine. Go in a carpool. Go to the supermarket. Go get your hair cut. Go get your nails done. Go get your toes done. You have an opportunity to shine. Uh, But our natural tendency is to hide it. And Jesus said, let it loose, because he understood our natural tendencies. He understood that, 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 that our flesh and our spirit would be battling against each other every time we walked into a place of darkness. Because the last thing darkness wants is light to shine. The last thing the devil wants is for you to open up your mouth and let the light of Christ come forth to, to speak 
speak the truth that can set an individual free. It's the last thing the devil wants. So he's going to come at you at every turn to keep you shut up, to keep you quiet, to keep you from shining. But we must break forth with the authority, like I said, and let our light shine. We must make, when Jesus said, let our light shine, he was reminding us that we must make a determined, conscious decision every single day to shine for Jesus Christ. When he said let, and he used that word, he, he was telling us that every single day we must make a conscious decision to allow the light of Christ to shine through our life. Every single day when we get up, we've got to make a conscious con- uh, uh, decision to let the light of shine, or let the light of Christ shine. Every day that you go to work, every time you're with your family, every time you open up your mouth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is not just leaving this to chance. He's saying, you, you must let it happen. You must allow it to happen. You must make a conscious decision to be salt and you must make a conscious decision to be light because light enables people to see. Light is what they need, church. I want us to understand that that the light of Christ is in every single one of us, but it's up to us to allow it out. When you get saved... And you give your heart and your soul to Jesus Christ and the Spirit of the Lord comes in. Guess what? You have the light of Christ inside of you. And it's up to you to let it out. It's up to you to let it shine. Please understand it's not by accident that we shine. I want you to understand that that it doesn't happen all by itself. It's not something that happens unintentionally. And it's not something that happens accidentally. You don't just walk out of the house and accidentally shine for Jesus. You don't walk out of the house and, whoa, what's that light? Uh, You understand? It doesn't happen by accident. It's like when Moses came down off the mountain after 40 days in the presence of God. It wasn't an accident that he shone. It wasn't an accident that somebody looked at him and thought, man, that guy's been with God. And it's not an accident that you shine either. It's because you've been with God. Because you've made a conscious effort to devote yourself to the presence of the Father so that when you walk out into a darkened dying world, you shine for Jesus. It doesn't happen by accident. We don't read the Word of God and we wonder why we're not shining. We don't get into the quiet places with God and we wonder why we don't have some luminosity in our life. We wonder why we're not making a difference in our marriage or difference in our family or a difference in our workplace. And it's exactly why Paul said, examine yourself to see if you are even of the light. Listen, if you got Jesus, you got light. And you got to let it shine. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by mistake. You and I must make an intentional decision to shine. I don't care how dark it is. I don't care if you're coming against the gates of hell itself. You have to make a conscious decision. I'm going to shine. Being invited to this, this party where it's full of this and full of that. No, I'm going to make a conscious decision to shine. Surrounded by a bunch of co-workers spewing a bunch of foul language, looking at all kinds of material they shouldn't be looking at, cheating, doing dirty deals here, doing dirty. Not. I'm going to make a decision, conscious decision to shine because it ain't going to happen all by itself. We have to let it shine. You see, the reality is when you're in that deep, dark, dark place all by yourself, the pastor's light isn't going to shine for you. 
My light's not going to shine for you. Your wife's light ain't going to shine for you. Your husband's light's not going to shine for you. Mommy and daddy's light isn't going to shine for you when you're standing face to face in the midst of darkness. You have to let the light shine because Jesus said you are the light of the world. And we've got to allow it to shine through our lives. So the first thing that we learned is that that light enables people to see like we learned last week. If you're not helping people to see, you've got to examine yourself and, and ask yourself why. The next truth about light that is that can be a measuring rod to which we can compare ourselves is the fact that light brings comfort and it brings warmth on a dark and stormy night. Every single one of us know that a light in the hallway helps put us at ease. Every single one of us that have kids know that on a dark and stormy night or in a dark and quiet room, a little nightlight in the corner helps put a little child to to, to rest. It helps soothe soothe their soul. And even for some adults, they don't like the dark. And a nice little light, no matter how small it might be, in the corner of the room sends a soft little glow across the room and it puts their soul at rest because light brings comfort. And the reality is, you and I, as children of light, should bring comfort to an uncomfortable world. You and I should be willing to bring comfort to that individual who's bruised and broken. You and I should be able to bring comfort to that individual that has stumbled and fallen and can't figure out how to get back up. You and I are to bring comfort into the life that has fallen apart, to the, to the marriage that is broken, to the family that is fractured, to the, to the individual that's lost a loved one or lost a job or, or lost a business. And if we can't bring comfort, guess what? We don't have light. If we're not bringing comfort to the world around us, there's something wrong with our faith. We might be all self-righteous, but I'm telling you that unless you are willing to allow the light of comfort to shine in a world that needs to be comforted, there's something wrong with our faith, church. The reality is light has the power to settle the soul. Light has the power to drive away fear. You have a kid or an adult that's, that's panicking in the, in the dark. And as soon as you turn on a light, fear just dissipates. Because light has the power to drive away fear. Light has the power to drive away uncertainty. A kid, an adult, I remember growing up. Boy, you look at the little shadows in the room and the closet's a little cracked open. And you're uncertain. Is there a boogeyman in there or not? Is there a boogeyman under my bed? Is that a shadow or is that a devil standing right there? And all you got to do is turn on the light and guess what? All the uncertainty disappears. And the reality is there's individuals in your life that are filled with all sorts of uncertainty. You might be and I might be right now, but the light of Christ drives away that uncertainty. They're uncertain about tomorrow. They're uncertain if they're going to keep their job. They're uncertain if their wife's going to stay or their husband's going to leave. They're uncertain about their future. But I want you to understand that when the light of Christ shines into their life, it gives them something to cling to and the uncertainty disappears. That's you and that. That's me. That's who Christ calls us to be. We must bring comfort and certainty to the individual that can't even figure out today. We have to be the salt and we have to be the light. In the same way, God has called us to bring comfort to a lost and darkened world spiritually. 
He wants us to bring comfort to those that are afraid of tomorrow. Bring comfort to those who are afraid what their future might hold. Comfort to the individual that's afraid of the test results or afraid of the diagnosis, afraid of what the doctor might say. This world is filled with individuals that need comfort, church. They're afraid of something. Afraid that the darkness of depression won't ever let them go and that they'll have to live in this prison for the rest of their lives. But listen to me, church. If you allow and give authority to the light of Jesus Christ in your life and let it loose in that life, something will happen and that individual that's in bondage can be set free. That's why Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Because he knew people were in prisons of fear, prisons of uncertainty, prisons of worry, prisons of anxiousness, doubt. And we are the only ones that have the power to set them free if we allow the light to shine in our life, church. Our lives, your life, your surroundings are filled with individuals that are afraid simply to be alone. Afraid if they'll ever find a friend. Afraid that 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 emptiness in their life will never be filled. That void will never be filled. They're they're afraid that they'll never find that job. They've been laid off for three months, six months, four months. It's a year now in today's economy. And they're afraid that their entire future will never amount to anything. They're filled with fear, church. They're afraid they're going to lose their house. They're afraid they're going to lose their car. They're afraid that their, their family is going to go hungry. They're afraid they're not going to be able to put food on the table, pay the light bill, pay, the, pay the, the doctor bill so they don't go to the... You understand what I'm saying? Our lives are filled with individuals that need the comfort of Jesus Christ, but they're not finding it. Why? Because we're not shining. Because the light of comfort is not shining in our lives. Because we're not, we're not allowing it or giving it permission to freely flow out of our lives. We make some kind of silly excuse instead of just allowing it to flow through our life. And we will be held accountable for that. I believe with all of my heart. I told you last week. Oh, if, if God's going to ask us anything, He's going to ask us, were you salt? And were you light? Like I said, he's not going to be nearly as impressed with how many times you came to church or how many ministries you served in as how many lives you changed and how many lives you influenced and how many individuals you comforted and how many individuals you gave a cup of water to and gave clothes. You understand, they need comfort, church. And if we're not offering that, we have to ask ourselves, am I truly light? Am I truly a child of light? Because if I was, I would be making a difference in someone's life, church. When Jesus said, you are the light of the world, he was reminding us that we have the power to disrupt the darkness. We, he was reminding us, please understand that we, he has given us the power to disrupt the darkness. That we have the power to bring comfort to those who are afraid. If we would just let or me, our light shine. If we would just let it loose, if we would just allow it to flow through us, if we would just send it forth with authority like Jesus sent forth the disciples' church. Please understand, Jesus, like I said, has granted us authority over every unclean and dark spirit, but we have to let it loose. Listen, Jesus used this analogy because he understood this world was full of people needing comfort. 2,000 years ago, he knew the world needed comfort. 2,000 years later, the world still needs comfort. 2,000 years from now, if God happens to tarry that long, and I don't believe He will, 
But if he did, this world will need more comfort then than they do right now. Because every generation becomes darker. Because one light after the other, every single year, goes out for Jesus Christ. There's more lights going out for Christ than are going on for Christ. There's more lights not shining that are shining in the house of God. Listen to me. 85% of Americans say that they are Christians. 85% of the individuals that make up the American society say they are Christians. You know what I say? It's not true. Because if 85% of our Christian of our society were shining for Jesus Christ, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in. We wouldn't be seeing half the stuff we see on TV. We wouldn't be listening to a series that pastor has been preaching over the last eight weeks. I never thought I'd see the day. But one of the reasons that we're seeing that day, church, is because we're not light. Because we have abandoned the number one priority Jesus Christ has placed upon our lives, and that is to be salt and light to a lost and dying world. I promise you, church, if 85% of America was shining, look out! This world would be different if we were truly shining the light. But listen, far too many of us are hiding the light, and we need to let it loose, church. This is what you and I have to understand when it comes to this thing called comfort, is that everyone needs comforting in this world, even you and even me. In Psalm 69, 20, David, King David himself said this, Their insults have broken my heart. And I am in despair. If only one person would show me some pity. If only one person would turn and comfort me. You see, the reality is what you need to realize and understand is that one light makes a huge difference. David said, if only one, I don't need a hundred. I don't need a thousand. I don't need a dozen. I just need one person to shine in my life. I need one person to turn my situation around. If only one person would turn and comfort me, my life would be different. Please listen to me. One light makes a difference. One candle makes a difference. You can light one candle in a dark room and it will light up the place. It won't drive away darkness completely, but light will shine and make a difference in one place. Listen to me, church. You all by yourself can make a difference in your workplace. You all by yourself can make a difference in your neighborhood. You all by yourself can make a difference in your family and in your marriage and an extended family. Understand, one light is all it takes. One individual is all it takes. One phone call, one demonstration of concern, one ounce of pity, one ounce of comfort is all it needs to change someone's life, church. This, this, this house, even the family of God, listen, there's, there's needs in this church that I don't even know about. There's needs in this church that the pastor doesn't even know about. There's cries going out just like David in the house of God. If only one person would pick up the phone and call me. Now listen, I'm, please understand me. There's times you got to pick yourself up by the bootstrap. There's times you got to stop making excuses and stop crybabying and stop whining. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there are individuals whose lives are falling apart. And if only one person would reach out, their lives would be turned around. 
They'd, they'd last one more day or one more week or one more month. Or maybe that one ounce of comfort would last a year's, uh, one year's time. It might change their life forever. But this is what I want you to understand is that Je- this is what Jesus was teaching when he said, You are the light of the world. And, and, and just like the people around him then understood when he said, You're the salt of the earth, and they understood what you used salt for, he knew the same exact thing. That when I make a reference to light, and I use this word, Ephemi, he understood that they know exactly what I mean. They, he, he knew that they would understand that you, you are called to show people the way. You are called to offer comfort to, to those that, that are sad and sorrowful and, and need to be comforted. He also understood that they would understand that, that light was used to warn and light was used to guide and light was used to direct. It's why a lighthouse is up on a hill. It's so that it can direct and guide and warn of the cliffs and the, and the dangers that lie ahead. It, it, it can guide and lead and warn that, warn that ship that is caught in a storm and, and fog has covered the, the bay. That they can at least see that light. And our lives and our worlds are filled with individuals like that. They need to be warned of where they're headed. They need to be warned of the destruction of sin. They need to be warned that, that the path that they are on is leading them right to the cliffs of destruction, church. They need to be warned. They need to be guided. They need to be led. And it's what light does, church. We are to be leading people and guiding people and warning people of the errors of their ways. But I don't want to offend anybody and I don't want to lose that relationship and I don't want to do be politically incorrect. So I'll be quiet and I'll dance all around the fact that they need a Savior. It's time we stop playing games with people's souls. It's time we stop giving out cotton candy, church, when they need a little bit of strong medicine in their life. But we're afraid to do that anymore. You walk into so many churches and all they give out every Sunday morning is a wad of cotton candy. And it spoils their soul. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's times we got to rise up and let a little truth shine out upon the people, church. If you don't know the truth, how are you going to teach it to someone else? And if you don't tell them the truth, they will never be set free from darkness, from the snares of sin and all of the other things that keep them bound. But this is what Jesus meant when he said, you are the light of the world. If only one of Christ's saints would let their light shine in the darkness, it would make a difference. If only one would shine in that life that's doing all that it can to hold the marriage together, it would make a difference. If only one could shine in the life of, of that individual who was diagnosed with cancer or whose family is falling apart, it would make a difference. If only one would shine in the life of that individual that has lost a house or lost a job or lost a loved one, it would make a difference. If we could only shine in the darkness of their despair, then they could find comfort. And then they could find Christ, who is the God of all comfort and the God of all compassion. You see, I'm the one that I I can't give them all comfort and I can't give them all compassion. But when I shine my light, guess what? I can lead them to the one who can give them all the comfort they need. And I can lead them to the one that can give them all the compassion that they need and all the hope that they need and all the joy that they need and all the peace that they need. Uh, my job is not, not Christ's job. My job is to shine the light of Christ so they can find their way 
to the source of strength they need to make it through this life, church. And if I don't shine the light, if I don't warn them, if I'm not that lighthouse on the hill, if I'm not careful as a light keeper, someone is going to crash in my life and I'll be responsible. Listen, if the light keeper didn't keep that light burning, ships would wreck upon the shore. They'd crash upon the rock. He understood his duty. He understood his responsibility, church. And please understand, there were, there were different types of light. There was the big, there was the big uh, uh, lighthouse spotlight. But then there's also called these things called lower lights. And they're all across the shore. They're all across the ragged rocks. Now listen, your pastor might be that big, tall lighthouse. But listen to me, there still needs to be lower lights. That tall top light is not enough. It doesn't shine everywhere it needs to shine. There needs to be lower lights in the lives of those in your workplace and in your neighborhood and in your family. Because they never, they may never come into this house and have the big spotlight and, 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 and lighthouse light shine upon their lives. We must be that lower light that guides them and leads them along life's way, church. That's what God has called us to be. You are the light of the world. Understand, I'm going to start winding this down, but this world is dying to be comforted. But they're looking in all the wrong places to find comfort. They're looking in the bottle. They're looking in the the needle. They're looking in a lustful relationship or a one-night stand. They're looking for comfort in the meaningless mammon of this, this lost and dying world, church. And the saddest, the saddest reality is the reason they're looking in all those places is because they can't find comfort from the children of God. Because we're not shining. I believe with all of my heart. Now listen, I know everybody's not going to respond to the light. But I believe if we were doing a better job of shining our light, people wouldn't be looking in as many places as these places. I believe that we could have influence all over every area of these, these dark places in society if we would just allow our life to shine. Amen? I'm going to start bringing this to a close. Not only does light bring comfort, I said light also is used to warn. David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And as children of the light, we are to, uh, we are to let or allow or to send forth with authority the word of light into the lives of those that are lost in darkness. Listen. This is the most important thing that you need to understand. If I, if I make my way into the life of an individual that's caught up in darkness, I'm not saying my brother Daryl here is caught up in darkness, but if I make my way into the life of an individual that's caught up in darkness and darkness surrounds them, my words have no authority or power whatsoever. I could talk to him till I'm blue in the face with Jeff Allen, Jeff Allen Merriman's uh, philosophy and Jeff Allen Merriman's uh, beliefs and system. You understand what I'm saying? It will make no difference in his life. But when I begin to break the word of light and I begin to break the bread of life and I begin to show them the way that, that leads to the Father and I begin to communicate the Scripture into that individual's life. Woo! You watch the demons back up. They don't care what you got to say. They don't care what I got to say. I can't disrupt darkness. You can't disrupt darkness. But the Word of God has the power to send demons to flight. And if one person 
exercising the authority and loosing the light of the word can send a thousand to flight, the Bible says. And if two that are filled with light can send 10,000 to flight, good God, what would happen if this whole church began to shine the light of Christ in Coweta County? Guess what would happen? We wouldn't be picketing down here in front of Starship Enterprises because they'd be running away with their tail tucked between their legs, wondering what in the world's going on at South Metro. Because they got some people that are shining the light. They got some people that are disrupting the darkness. They got some people that are scaring the devil and sending him running. Listen, that's what you and I are supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be sending demons to flight. Not cowering when they come into our presence. We're supposed to, with authority, allow the light of Christ and the light of His Word to break through the darkness. So light allows people to see. Light light brings comfort. Light is used to warn and guide and direct. And finally, as I close, light drives off, like I just said, crime and evil. Light has power over the enemy that roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. It drives off the thief that comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I close with this. John 3, 19 through 21 says, The light from heaven came into the world, but they loved the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. They hate the light because they want to sin in the darkness. They stay away from the light for fear their sins will be exposed and they will be punished. The truth is, this is what we need to understand. Darkness and evil and sin and Satan, they all hate the light. They don't just hate the light. They're afraid of the light. Because please understand me, where there is light, darkness cannot exist. The only way you have darkness, you can't create darkness unless you turn out the light. You can't create darkness, but you can create light. You understand what I'm saying? You can create light that has power over darkness. And the only darkness doesn't have any power over light if it's shining, church. But if you don't turn on your light, guess who rules? Darkness rules. If you don't turn on your light, guess who reigns? Darkness reigns. If you don't, if you don't, like the Bible said and Jesus said, if you don't, with authority, allow the light of Christ through your life, guess who's in authority? Darkness. Darkness will rule in your mind. Darkness will rule in your heart. Darkness will rule in your marriage and in your household and every place you go unless you allow the light of Christ to just permeate your life. And be cast out into this world. Where there is light, there is no darkness. Where there is light, there is no deception. Please listen. I know I'm running long. 75% of all crimes are committed in the dark. Committed after hours. I said 85% of all Americans call themselves Christian. But if 85% of us were shining like we should... I don't believe any of the statistics above would matter because light would rule and not darkness. If we would be who God has called us to be, I believe our little world, however small it might be, would be saved and freed from darkness, church. You see, so if Brother Darrell lit up his little world and Pastor Jeff lit up his little world and she lit up her little world and... 
Brother Ben lit up his world and y'all lit up your own world, guess what? This world would see and lives would be changed. And this is exactly what Jesus said when he said you were the light of the world. This is what I want you to do. So my last question is this tonight as I close. Are you shining for Jesus Christ? Are you helping people see? Are you bringing comfort to those who need comfort? Are you warning them about where they're headed? Are you guiding them and leading them and directing them? I recall a passage where I believe it was Paul or Philip it was. It was speaking to a eunuch that was reading prophecy from Isaiah. And he says to the eunuch or asks, do you understand what you're reading? And the, and the eunuch said to him, how, how can I understand unless someone teaches me? He actually said, how can I understand unless someone guide me? Or show me. The reality is this world will never understand unless you're light. This world will never see unless I'm light. This world will never be comforted unless you're the light of comfort. They'll never understand what lies at the end of their road unless you're willing to warn them. And we will not drive off the darkness unless under the authority of Christ, we allow the light of Christ to shine in our life. If you're willing to shine for Christ, I want you to stand to your feet tonight. Because this is what we're going to do. We're just committing ourselves to shining for Jesus.